0: cliffcentral.com
1: And it is the burning platform. We did a burning platform like theme song.
2: There used to be one like when the it used to go boom like and then it then explodes but then yeah. Do you think, <sighs> But do then you think Gareth was, exploded and then.
1: Do you think that explosion was repossessed when the.
2: Yes. <laughs> yes because Gareth exploded now the explosion is gone. <laughs> nice meeting you Mr. Lieto.
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome.
0: Good morning. How are you?
1: Are you growing your dreadlocks back after cutting them? Now no. you growing them back. Where's
0: Alagmo? No. The barber said this is the style of the young people. So that's what I <laughs> I'm not used to cutting my <laughs> I'm not used to cutting my hair. So the barber just like, okay, this is how young people look now when they cut their hair. I'm gonna cut their hair this way and then sort of like swine them like the dreads. And I'm like, okay. I'll go with it. And when I got to campus, the students were like, oh, sir, you look good. I'm like, okay. Oh, I'll stick with the it.
1: students have approved. This is...
0: Yes, no, 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 no. The youth the students approved. Approved
1: <laughs> coolest, <laughs> coolest, coolest brand you. on campus. Uh, say, thank you for yeah. coming on to chat with us. And I know you've got a whole lot of things that you want to talk about. But I, I actually, because you come from a mining town, I thought that we should start with the big mining story that has been developing this week, the gold one story. And I see it was also on your list of things that you wanted to talk about. For those of you listening who don't know what this is, gold one is a mining uh, company out in Springs here in Johannesburg, about 50 kilometers outside of Johannesburg. And over the past couple of days, I think since Sunday, there has been what is being called a hostage situation where a, a a whole lot of miners have been kept underground, and this is this is where it's being called a hostage situation by um, the SAPS. Yeah. Some of the miners have been brought onto the surface uh, as of yesterday,
2: yeah, about two hundred or so.
1: But it seems that it is actually a conflict between the. Uh, National Union of Mine mm-hmm. Workers, which is the mm-hmm. recognized uh, union in that mine, and AMCU, which, as you will remember, came became very big kind of in 2014 uh, with the uh, Margana incident, yes. is actually wanting to become the new recognized mine. Leto, you go first because you wanted to talk about this and labor relations in mines in South Africa.
0: Yeah, um, so... Firstly, like, I think we must give it a little historical context, right? Um, mining cities are not actually uncommon in this country. When NUM came up, especially when it came up from the coal mines into the gold mines, the gold mines are typically the ones that you have um, not open cast mining, but you have straight down into the ground. The first time shaft they did mining. that, yeah, shaft mining. Um, the first time they came into the gold mines, there were several sittings in the gold mines um to demand um better wages and better living conditions. Because if you remember, um, way back during the apartheid era, um miners used to live in hostels and not um at home. So there were those kind of demands that miners get to have homes and all of those things. And so there were sittings. Especially so when a when a new so we're sitting um,
1: is when when the mine workers refuse at the end of their shift, shift to come up onto the surface.
0: Yes, um, and the mine wouldn't notice for a few days, just like they did now, because um, <laughs> no, no, because these people started the sitting on Sunday. Yeah, and didn't come out. They only noticed like on Tuesday, like wait, there, there's like a few 500 people missing. <laughs> so, because different shifts mine different um, parts of the shaft, right? And so you wouldn't notice if we don't come back up. 500 um, people
1: so, don't come back up.
0: Yes. And so the problem then is, so the new up-and-coming um, Union. unions, whenever whenever they become desperate, they, they do a sit-in. And I knew something of this sort was sort of coming down the line, especially with mines that insisted on practicing the closed shop model to say, no, 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 we only recognize um NUM, and we don't wanna say anything to Amku, right? And UMKU started to grow deep in roads with the, with the miners, especially the, the, the people who work below ground. And so the supervisors, the ship super, supervisors, um, the surveyors and all of those are always NUM, but the majority of the people would be the, the miners that go underground. And so that was going to be the impasse. And miners have now, have now seen Marigan and thought, well, if we stay on the surface and, and and protest, either one of two things happen, we come and get shot, or the employer then threatens people and say, if you don't go into the mine, we don't pay you. So let's stay in the mine and see if they pay us still. Mm. And so That's the sort of mentality that goes behind it. But as well, I think it's problematic to have the closed shop, um, you know, clause in in, in our labor relations in South Africa, because it is a remnant actually that was brought by the the Chamber of Mines um, to keep NUM out. And so the same NUM is using one of the tools, and that was the funny thing, right? That Julius always says that the ANC is using the tools that was that were oppressing them to sort of charge him with crimes, and it's the same thing. The tools that were used to opp- to oppress and to keep out NUM are being used to keep out the um, the Amcu uh, um, sort of union, and everyone is sort of not doesn't recognize the danger in the closed shop model, I think, in South Africa, especially when it comes to mines and how dangerous the situation could become. Because remember, even if we're all going down into the mine, if we belong to, to different unions, even if I don't belong to a union and you're sitting in, my leaving is a betrayal of that cause, right? And then so the narrative can change very quickly into, become, in, into a sitting becoming a... A hostage situation. Well, and so
1: this is the thing that I kind of listening to this developing story on a couple of news networks over the past couple of days, and you're right, it's on Sunday, you know, is I kind of keep thinking, what is the difference? How do you know that the people that are sitting in down there are actually sitting in of their own volition? Yes. And or are being compelled to stay because of, of of a power struggle between these two unions, and maybe Leato, you want to explain uh, to some of our listeners what a closed shop model is, because not everybody mm. knows what this. Uh, we're not all from mining towns, so we may not know <laughs> what a closed so, shop model is, and and what that um, actually how that works for the miners and the employer, as they are, as the mining houses are called
0: right so with the closed shop model so let, let's let's take it in, we are we are mine a right so mine a finds itself presented with a union let's say it's the num that comes first right so num comes first and is the preferential union and is told that and presents to the mind that we represent the, the majority of the workers, right? Um, Solidarity, for instance, would come in and say, no, no, we don't represent the majority of the workers, but we um, we represent a certain class of workers. So it would be the supervisors and all of those. And so we would like to be in a different negotiating bracket because our people are in a different um, pay model and pay market, right? So the preferential... Um, negotiating partner would be the NUM. And so Amku comes in, they get the majority of the underground workers, for instance, to join them, right? The problem comes when it comes for wage negotiations, which probably happened um, two to three months ago and have been continuing. The mine then starts to negotiate with NUM, which doesn't have the lion's share of members anymore. NUM agrees like they used to. So the problem that the miners actually have with NUM was they started to get, to get cozy with the mines. And so if Lea was sent to go and negotiate, I negotiate during my negotiation period. I'm softened up by the mine, so I'm taken to Kaiser Chiefs matches. I'm I'm given clothes. I'm given a car by the mine in order for me to be affable to the mining house, right? And so the next step is, I get. Um, some nominal shares. So I' I get some shares while you I agree to your wages, right? Now in this instance, remember Amku is very clear about its position on wages. 12,500 or anything close to that, right? If you're inching closer to 12,500, Amku loves you, right. And so now the the agreement is given to Amku to, to NUM they sign on behalf of AMCU members as well and then come out of the process and say, see, if you wanted us to consider yours, you must give us your membership again and stop going to Amku. And this is where the problem begins. The AMCU members are usually very militant, right? Because most of them are fresh upstarts from the Eastern Cape, um, the free state. And so when they come into the mine, they come with the militancy of saying, strike action and no negotiation especially with NUM because at times solidarity Aid would come to NUM and say since you are the preferential person and they have a difference with the employer you take our part of the bargaining with you and tell them our supervisors want this kind of pay raise um and so we include solidaritates um Offer with NUMs off, but they didn't make... do
1: that with Amku. So, and what do you make of this current situation at Gold One, where the there is—I mean, even this morning they were still calling it a hostage situation. And is it really a hostage situation, or is Amku taking over?
0: Um, it's Amku taking over. So, remember, a lot of people. Then the problem is. Everyone keeps saying, I, I heard a labor relations expert saying, ah, oh, well, you have to um take the process that's in the courts, because Amku has taken the process to the courts. They've taken their membership numbers to the courts to, to be to be declared as the as the major um as the major union. The big problem is the mine doesn't want to recognize, which the law says they should. If I bring you my, my numbers and I bring you my memberships, you should recognize. And so it's actually the three parties are having a huge problem with each other, right? And so this situation, it's going to look like... It, it is a sit-in because most of the miners don't want to come up, mm-hmm. right? They want to stay there and they want their point to be put across. They want their wage negotiations to go out, to go ahead. Because if you're thinking externally, right, um. You are feeling the inflation as a as a normal employee of a company.
1: Imagine as what a miner is feeling.
0: We are all feeling the present. No, Cirrus right. <laughs> and the way and the way miners would would remove the pinch from themselves with the small wages that they get is working on on Sunday evenings and have and going for the overtime. It's right? overtime. And yeah, what yeah. they yes. And they do extreme overtime. They work almost double shifts almost every four days. And that's the safety limit that they can work. And if they're working on a Sunday, that means that they've, they've worked their four days, had, had the mandatory two days of rest, and then had to go and work on Sunday. And so not coming up on Sunday evening is a way to protest to say, but even with these shifts, we're not making we're enough not making money. enough
1: money. Backup, Anto, you wanted
2: to add something no, to that? No, I wanted to ask, what does it take to be a union? Do you just need numbers, like like you're saying?
0: You um, so to, to be a union, it's not just the numbers. You need to register. There's a huge registration period that takes about a year. And that's why in, in Marikana, the, at, at first, Amku was just a name union, and it wasn't registered. They were in the process of registering the union right? And so that's why, at, for the most part, in Madagana, they won't recognize because they had no registration status. But now they do have the registration status. And so you can have a union in Bagabantu and, so, uh, and unionize the people at Cliff Central. The numbers aren't the problem, right? So because you are going to be the first union there and have Pumi and three others, you are then going to be the the first union and you would be the closed shop. If somebody else comes in even though they have bigger numbers, they must prove to Cliff Central now that they have the bigger numbers, and so that becomes the struggle between the unions, um, and no sort of multilateral I, negotiations happen. I think that
1: the, the additional, like,
2: no, I was going to say this My
1: current theme, no. my current theme being, it's all about the money, right? It, it, it's all about the benjamins. It,
2: it is all about the benjamins. And Joke atheist, brings up a good point. Uh, you, you speak about a sit-in, Lea, right? But uh, so the way the law works, if your rights infringe on mine, then your rights become moot. You can't infringe on your someone rights else's. Your rights end words. where my nose yeah, begins. Exactly, exactly. Your right to punch ends where my nose begins. So it is a sit-in. But if two hundred people escaped and they and they they using the word that we just escaped the shaft, then it is a hostage situation by definition.
0: Um. So okay, it is a, a hostage situation, yes. right? Because of, but also not just because of the way, the way in which the mind is for is sort of like is shaped, right? If we don't want to move from one part of the mind, there's literally one other exit, which is extremely dangerous right and that's why the people who escaped didn't want to use that option at first so the the major way to get in and out of the mine is through the catch so the elevator Mm. for the mine and that's the safest way and so if if we're saying we're not going out right and remember we we don't all mine the same part Mm. in the in the shaft we're at different parts, and so that's why that was that was the difficulty. That the police said tactically going in would be a problem because yes. these people aren't in the same place; yes. they're in different places. And so, remember, in some places, um, there's a guy that tri- drives like a mini train down there in the mine. Yes. And if that guy says he's not going out and parks the train at a certain place, um, the majority of you might be trapped in another place and can't go past the train. Yeah. So it just depends on what the mechanics are underground, right? It could be just one guy who parked the the, parked the, 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 the mining chain, yeah, the trolley in the wrong place, and now we're all stuck, right? And so the other exit is there, but that exit is usually one very dangerous because it it's um it's not very really structured. It, it's it's susceptible to cave-ins. Only one person can pass at a time. If you're in a row, you su- suffer the risk of suffocating. Usually, illegal miners are hanging out around that part of the shaft and are trying to go in through that way or are putting food through that way. So it could be very dangerous. And so I think that's why they didn't want to use that option, but finally had to use it, right? Because if you're saying you're escaping and you go to the to to the um to the decline, that's what they call. It. Um, if you're at a deep line, the people who are holding you hostage could just go and get you because you're going in 1 1 and there are 200 of you. Yeah. <laughs> right? You know, and I think and so it,
1: it, it, definitely one of the things that has come to my mind over the past couple of days listening not just to this particular um developing story, but also thinking about because as it happens in South Africa, when a story of this nature comes to the fore, this is when we start having the conversations that mm. say maybe we need to be rethinking about labor relations, you know, not just and in this instance, you know, not just the closed mind, the closed shop uh experience, but also a more inclusive way of dealing with the labor market. Mm. More uh more than just one union being represented. And it's just for me, The thing that has come to my mind is how archaic the system is and remains. At the moment, you know, so they've all that they've done is they've just replaced Mm. one union, which um, only negotiated for a small strata of the employees with one that maybe negotiates for the majority. And the majority has shifted in what they want and they've shifted to a new union. But the fact that you're only willing to deal with one one as the employer, you're only willing to deal with one union is what is the problem here?
0: I think it, it's a huge problem, and the fact that we, we we have no sense of multilateralism in South Africa, even in the private sector, right? Because the private sector is this bastion of, of uh, um, efficiency. If we if we had multilateralism, um, when you when you negotiate, right? Because every time I've, I've listened to mining negotiations, even when NUM was in the fore, every time Solidarity would agree to an agreement, and NUM would still be sticking out. They now look like the crazy people, right? <laughs> and then now you have to or you also have to look into what they're getting. And usually the holdout from NUM would not be for the people's wages. The wage would would be stagnant and the mine would not want to budge. But would be holding out because of the number of shares I'm getting. And so then there's the problem, or oh, I haven't gotten a Mercedes. I've gotten a Toyota, or maybe I haven't gotten the the deal to transport the miners in my Quantum. And so that would be the difference between the mine and the and the mine workers. And so the problem with Amku now is that it's not been given the opportunity to even get to the table. negotiating to table, to be in the room. right? Exactly. Because for the most part, the problem actually with emerging unions is not that they're not at the table. The problem with emerging unions is it's still minors, right? NUM, you'd get um, Zima Vavi character, somebody who's been voted for provincially, who now has a big house, who has a nice place in Johannesburg. Because one of the NUM members from Velcom had a huge house in Johannesburg, Mm -hmm. right? He had six cars. When he passed away, it was a huge scandal here, and everyone was like, wait, we thought he lived in Belcom, and everyone was like, nope, he doesn't live here. He lives in Johannesburg. Mm-hmm. Okay, because that's what the mind needs to give them, right? Mm-hmm. And so on the other end, the actual problem with new unions is you're going to be negotiating with minors who are actually not really astute at negotiating, who don't have, who don't have the tactics locked down. They negotiate like miners. Most of them actually even need translators when it starts out. And so that process, I think, would have been such a great basis to build a solid basis for starting new ways of negotiating. Because the way we're negotiating now it's the same way we negotiated almost 50 to 60 years ago. And so that, for me, is so, so bad in a South Africa that we're saying is growing. But it's not actually growing at all in the way we're thinking about making this country better and the new ways we could make it better.
2: Okay, so devil's advocate, Mr. Leete, right? Uh, Not everyone can get a seat at the table. Unfortunately... Not everyone's voice does matter. The majority does rule. Yes, the majority can shift, Sis Pumi. So uh, the Noom workers now uh, go to amku, right? Because Amco represents their needs. And Noom has sold out. So, but what about the end goal here? Because if you're going to drive the business out, everyone loses. Because right. the way I'm looking at it from a business point of view... It's not, if you're not mining for me, then it's not profitable. So then I can shut down shop. Then what right, happens so me- What happens to the economy? Because, uh, okay, so just a slight comment that you had, what you said, private sector is a bastion. It is because it is the only effective tool that we have shown that can build an economy. Communism hasn't. Capitalism and the free market has shown whether we like it or not. And there is a place for unions and, regulate, and regulation and whatnot and workers' rights. But at the end of the day, make money, then everyone benefits. A rising tides lifts all boats.
0: Right. So let me let me sort of first push back on the not everyone can make it to the table. Because strangely enough, the mine actually said to Amku workers, while we're waiting for you to become the major union, Workers can individually come to the table and negotiate their wages. So actually, everyone can come to the table. The mind just refuses for everyone to come to the table in the way that they choose is best represents them. Mm -hmm. And that's the problem. Right. And so that's what I'm saying. It's not about the, the, the private sector not being a bastion of the economy. It's being a bastion of efficiency because this is just an efficiency issue. Which is the most efficient option? To get everyone to negotiate at the same time? No.
2: Or the most efficient option is to hide and have... conquer, which is what they do. Okay, That's, so that's when you not de- efficient. That is exactly. Efficient because no, for the because business you're going to piss off one party. For the business point of view, if you break up the union, you can, you can, like, you can wring out more work from the workers. If you but, break up the majority, like, what's bigger, one or five? One is bigger.
0: Right, listen. Uh, hey, but now what you're saying is if you break up the majority, <laughs> yes. right? But the problem is the majority is not willing to work. And the people that you are left with are not the people who actually go to the rock face and guide, try to get the, the gold out. Mm-hmm. And that's why the, uh, the, that's why Amku's holdout now is so significant, is that those people are, are the ones who you depend to, to get your product, right? The fancy pants people are the ones who escape. They, and they're useless to the mind. With their escape, they can't be used in another shift. That's the problem, <laughs> right? And so, here's the issue, right? With the so let's let's talk about the economy and the company. Mm. Actually, mines in South Africa are very. That's why I'm saying they're very efficient. When it comes to a lot of things, right? The chamber of mines, actually, when you go to be a shareholder, when the mine is being in is in development, you are told that we account for a strike season. There's going to be a time where we're going to piss off the miners and they're going to stop mining. Your profits are going to not be affected. You know why. Immediately after a strike, so a mine has daily targets, right? and literally some workers would not even come the mine would refuse for workers to come out before they hit their target yeah. so the the, the catch would not go down to go and get them if the target is not hit right and so the the targets go up after after strike season And so you, you work longer hours after strike season. You work more overtime after strike season. And actually safety conditions are actually, are actually harsher. It's more dangerous to, to go mine after strike season. And so the efficiency is amazing. There's no shareholder of a mine that has ever said, Oh no, the miners are striking. My profits have gone lower. Their profits are always. Consistent, they're always the same whether or not mining stops for even six to seven months. So they can, they don't care.
1: You know, the the one thing that you're raising is about the fact that it's still an, an old way of doing things, and that today they still do things the way that they were done 50, 60 years ago, which is for me is an interesting thing with a little, I want to do a slight pivot to something else that you raised in the stuff that you wanted to talk about. Speaking of doing the same thing over and over again, is you wanted to talk about uh, the government in Bezos. Uh, We're seeing it a lot here in Johannesburg. We're seeing it a lot here in Gauteng, because we have an incredibly active, incredibly active premier in Panyaza Lusufi, who is running... All sorts of schemes. And you can just see that it's because we are in, you know, we're in voting season. And so you wanted to talk about these ANC and Bezos that are masked as government activity, Lieto.
0: It's It's actually totally disgusting to me, right? Because if you look at it, so the ANC has no manifesto ideas. This is the funniest part about the elections that are coming up. The NCS is actually not presenting a new manifesto. What they're saying is they're presenting a manifesto review, right? They're putting out NEC members and the newly elected Youth League members. The NEC members, the, the, the provincial heads and the president are going around and are doing the same thing this is the best we've done for you in the manifesto. This is the rest of the manifesto that we couldn't deliver. We're going to deliver that next. It's like a series. Like we're saying, ah, no, next time on Dragon Ball Z, we're going to to deliver this. (laughs) Right? Yeah. So my biggest problem then is, if you look at the ANC posters for the NEC members and the government posters for the Mbezos look exactly the same, and the sitting arrangement is actually very similar. So when the president is standing there, it's all the parliamentarians sitting in their ANC regalia, not government regalia. So you find NG Museha sitting there with her women's league um, regalia without a badge. They're very smart about doing that. But you can clearly see that this is an ANC rally, right? And what they're doing is they're not they're no longer going to the areas that embarrassed them before. So remember. Um, Cyril did this before and came back with egg on his face. He went to the Northwest. He came to the Free State and went to Kronstadt. And, and went, went to Northern Cape. Uh, yeah. He uh, went to, to, to places where people really have no hope, right? If you go to Kronstadt, people have to travel from Kronstadt to Velkom to, Vel- to come to work. So mm. almost an hour travel just to get, get to work. Because in Kronstadt, there's no jobs. And he went there thinking, he said, no, there's a there's a veteran. We're going to place a headstone. And people told him to leave. And so he's no longer going back to those places. He's now going and, and showing off a dam in Port of Strum that might come to, to work in a year and a half. And so when you do that, for me, it's so insidious because... The people in this country are tired of the show and tell. But most of the people can't tell that they've been taken to a horse and pony show. And I, that's think what I think the people
1: it. can tell. I yes. think the people are tired. I think the people are tired of the fact that this is the, you just trot out the same stuff every now and again. And I think the people can see through
0: that. No, no. The people are tired, but the people can't put on a, a finger on what the deception is. Because I ask people, are you tired of this? They say yes. And I say, what is it that you're really tired of? What are they doing that's so wrong? And they can't put their finger on this is actually deception, right? Because here where I live in this joke of a town, um, it was actually on the news, national news, that um, 75 of our municipal vehicles have been attached, including um dump trucks and all of these things. And the mayor goes to other towns to go borrow um cars, right? Um and then funny enough during the the the, the news broadcast they waited for them to go live so that a dump truck can drive past and stage. <laughs> um, it's it's so comical. I hate it. And so The problem is, remember, even when Cyril did it the first time, the people could speak to the to the officials and give them their voice. Now they're doing the the king thing, right? Uh, So the the mayors are the de facto chiefs. The mayor here in my town. This is a
1: strategy, but this is a strategy. Are they not on strategy to be doing exactly this? This is the strategy of the ANC. We have been in government and we have delivered these things. This is a political strategy. They're trying to stay in power.
0: Yes. But the, you know, how many other political strategies could you employ, right? But it's but the s- tell exact the same
1: strategy. It is the exact same strategy that we are seeing in the Western Cape, where the DA strategy is to say we govern better. Look what we have done here. Bring us to your town. We can do it in your town too. It's a political strategy.
0: Yes, but the DA is not fashioning it. So there's a there's a big divide between the DA, the party, and the DA, the governance. Right, And you can see that divide. My problem is where the ANC starts to blur the line is where our money starts to bleed into the ANC campaigns and and secretly move between the, the two. They use the same people to make the posters. The posters look exactly the same. They use the same shirts. The shirts look exactly... And so the problem is... They... My problem is the grabby hands of the ANC, right? They can't keep their hands to themselves and to their own money. And my concern is as always with a political strategy, they start to use the public coffers and start to 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 magically make things disappear. But, but, okay, but, but, but Mr. Lieto,
2: this is the problem with elections in South Africa. We don't vote for people. We vote for the ANC. We vote for parties. So wouldn't you say that the ANC is in fact the government, As even though we call them something else, but they are the government. The highest seat of the land is not the union buildings. It is Lutuli House. So that's what we are saying, but you are complaining that it only applies when it comes to the money.
0: No, no. Um, what I'm saying is, the even if the seat of power, of power is is Lutuli House, right, in the country, the the sneaky ways in which they do things, right? It's slimy. It's it's dishonest almost. So, look, I don't mind you campaigning, right? Because what the Youth League. Um, is doing is actually putting out fires internally in the ANC. Mm. They're calling internal they're calling them um, gatherings of cadres or something strange like that, right? And they're trying to put out fires internally because there's so much strife inside the ANC that these new faces are being put forward to go and try and quell the fires and bring unity again, right? I don't care about that. That's fine. It's, It's a strategy of theirs to keep their membership voting right? It's internal. And they could have done the same thing and extended it, that we have new faces, we're going to bring new hope or something of that sort. But what they do is they make this thin line between them and the NEC members where they could now start to share resources. And Because we can't audit all of them all of the time, they probably are sharing resources and taking government money and giving it to the ANC. We were
1: talking in the last hour about uh, marketing and about how marketing works. And we're talking about Lyft. I don't know if you heard this. And they are the billboard in the sky, as it were. (laughs) And the, the ANC is doing the exact same thing. They are marketing themselves ahead of an election. Mm. And the only way they have to market themselves ahead of this election is to say this is what we've done when we were in power. Yeah. It is, And all I'm saying to you is that it is the exact same strategy that we are seeing in the Western Cape. Why is it a problem for you that it's the ANC and it is not a problem for you in another
0: party? Yes. You're not, you're not understanding me. The money flows. So when Lyft does the, the, the billboard in the sky, whatever it is, right? It doesn't sneakily take money from another rideshare company and say and mask it as their own money. Right, which is the problem that the ANC always Disney does. Money.
1: But so, but what I want to talk about is, I want to talk about what you believe the political strategies should be. Then, what is the political strategy going forward? Especially because we see so many new parties coming into the play. Right, so we see Action SA, we see BUSA with uh, Act. What should the political <laughs> strategy be?
0: I think the politi- if we want a new outcome in this country right even with the ANC if they want a new kind of ANC that's renewed we need new strategies because all of these people go to the same strategist. Eh? <laughs> I'm, I'm connected with young people from all of these parties you look as you laugh right um but one of the guys from the from the new parties told me outright that oh no the free state and northern came for us aren't priority provinces we don't care whether we win or lose them Oh wow! yet they're going to contest a national election right I asked an EFF member this. He said the same thing. I asked a DA member this, who was in the Free State and is now in Parliament. And she said the same thing. We're not looking to win the Free State. We're not looking to win the Northern Cape. Right? And so, if everyone's political strategy is Free State, Northern Cape, not a priority. But that's not where the numbers are.
1: To win an election, you need numbers. Hmm. The numbers are not in the Northern Cape. The numbers are in KZN. The numbers are in the Western Cape. And the numbers are in Gauteng. So it makes no sense no, if you've no. got a little bit of budget to try and go for those places too. Even in a national election, you go for where the numbers are.
0: But remember what the what South African politics are when it comes to voting. It's a game of makeup. You're trying to make up the numbers, right? That the because that's what coalition is: is make up the numbers that the ANC has and see if we can't push them out. So if the makeup isn't looking the same. If nobody's saying, go to these two provinces, because um Reism's auntie actually went to, to the Northern Cape and did one stint, and then they did a 360 about them not being a priority province because they got there, and people were hungry for a new party to be involved. And they looked and they said, well, this place looks like it's it's fertile ground to plant something. Yes, we might not win the election with them, but if we plant something now, the next time we're doing elections, they would recognize us. But because they go to the same political strategies and do the same old political strategies, we and then next year, like crazy people, we're expecting a different result, right? We're expecting somehow that there's going to be a large shift in Johannesburg that 8 million people are gonna suddenly move from the ANC and suddenly, flood into the other parties which is like i said it's a game of makeup right where do we make up these people that the anc seem to have a grip on maybe we could steal in johannesburg We could steal two million people from them. let's assume right and we're not it's not only the eff stealing the two million people they're divided amongst all the other parties right where do we make up the rest And so, my problem is in South Africa, we we seem to be locked in our ways in every sector. If one thing has been working since apartheid, ah, this is our team, even though apartheid (laughs) is dead. (laughs) No, no, no. It's not even apartheid's fault. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It it worked in 94 for the ANC. So, all elections are 94. And so that's the big but problem for me. 2024
1: is our 1994.
0: Yeah. But- oh, woman, well, please stop saying that. I hate <laughs> it so much. Mr Lieter, Why do you just- hate <laughs> it? This is their slogan. Yes. This is their slogan. Those are the, that's the worst slogan. It's not 1994, right? It's worse than 1994. This is our most desperate time. If the ANC makes it into office in 2024, if it's 1994, because in 1994, what was the result? The ANC won. Yes. Stop saying it's 1994. Say something else. Say <laughs> it's a new 1994.
1: for. So, you
2: at to add something. No, I I, I, I I just wanted to see if Mr. Lieto saw this one. Uh this big shift. Uh, oh. This big shift in political spheres and political power. Is
1: it a big shift? <laughs> Do you think it is
2: a big shift, Magambanti? <laughs> I I I don't know if she has a constituency. I don't think she she it is a shift, but uh it's more political theater than anything else. Yep. Uh, oh, also, she released a statement that uh, only the EFF can end low shedding in South Africa. So I think that is powerful, right? From <laughs> the person who saw the books mm-hmm. can, thinks that the EFF can end low shedding in South Africa. Mm-hmm.
1: So, and I saw there's a headline that there is another famous person that will be joining the EFF. I'm not sure if they will be joining the EFF because I also saw a, a video that had um, one of uh, the... One of the big DJs from Ukos FM mm. in KZN yes. talking at an EFF rally, and I wondered if that's the big name mm. that they were bringing across. S- so Do I- you think this makes a difference, Lieto, these big names that are coming onto the EFF? I mean, they recently brought Jimmy Manye. They have now brought Busisiwe Mkwebane. They, they are really making an effort to bring in some of these faces that we're used to seeing. Uh, Busisiwe was not non-aligned right. at the time because that's the job that she was in, needed her to be non-aligned. Do you think that these big names are going to make a difference? Is this part of the political strategy for the EFF?
0: Yes, it's it's to soften the, the crust that is, julius malema right the it, it's on the on the wound on the wound of south africa because think about it even though we, we we sort of at times sort of love julius he hits the right notes at times but he's so crass about doing it right the way so we we might love his results we might even love his ideas but the way in which he puts those ideas forward needs a ringo to be standing next to him so that we remember he's still south african Right? He needs the soft faces around him. Because really, nobody politically cares about Jimmy Mani. Nobody has cared about Jimmy Mani politically Zwane for years.
2: Right?
0: <laughs> no, no, no. When he was when it was in Welcome, So let me tell you the, the story of Jimmy Mani. Jimmy Mani used to be a miner in Welcome. And he wasn't zwanele then because he was heading up the union. Yes. That's how he got his nice house in Johannesburg. That's how he started to go to Johannesburg. Is he the one who was he the one got the nice house? Oh no, the one, the, house no, no they, the one with the nice house. No, no, no. The one with
1: the nice house. Yeah, he passed so away.
0: No, no. He started he started the he started the, the, the foundation train. for nice houses in Johannesburg. Yeah. He insisted on the miners once he was elected. Into N U M, he insisted on being called Jimmy because the white people needed to, to know him with his English name. So I'm going to call him Jimmy for the rest of my life as a welcome citizen. It's his name from here. That's how we know him. He's mm-hmm. one on now that African names are popular.
1: Yes. I'm <laughs> <laughs> yes, so you say nobody cares, but these faces are meant to soften the crust on the wound, you say.
0: Yes, because remember, and even though she's got her scandals, falls under the the we, we are bringing in the academics yes, kind of that's mindset. That's what it looked right? like to me too. Yeah, yeah, she she's got she's got her law degrees and she's so she looks like part of the thing that they call they're trying to build this sort of like a conglomerate of people who are graduating and mo- upwardly mobile and sort of the the, the smart black evolved mm. to EFF. And that's sort of the strategy that they're putting forward because Malema alone, I don't think gets them the votes that puts them over the hump. But him with a softened view and the kinds of people around him might get him across as somebody who's seeming to be accepting of different views, right? And it doesn't also look like... He's trying to also not look like um, Bantu Holomisa and Terralikot at the same time because... <laughs> but-
1: you say that simultaneously the news of, I think it's almost 65 councillors and members of parliament who were expelled because they were not able mm. to bring the buses
2: yes. to Joburg. I wanted to ask This it. is
1: at the same time, you know. And there was also another video of Ungizwe him of Azkale, lambasting, basically, Julius Malema for that
0: decision. But... Which makes
1: him if a dictator. Going,
0: no, no. If you're going into the into the EFF, you expect such things, right? Because my, <laughs> to the, be first, the first expelled for not bringing a pass? Ibo. Do you know how much they charge the parliamentarians to that they have to contribute?
1: Please take. I saw a breakdown. I saw a breakdown of how much they. because I obviously I think it's almost
0: thirty percent of the of their salary that they have to put back into the into the EFF. And, they and have this to is by by
1: and they have yeah. to buy a this buggy to serve their community?
0: And this is including the councillors, by the way. It's not just parliamentarians. Every office holder of the EFF has to give like a large amount to the EFF, right? And so you're expecting something stupid like that to happen. And the way Julius masks it is this. You have to be in tune with your community. You, you It's not your money. You don't have to put out money yourself. But if you are an EFF member, if you're truly EFF, You'll go and source funds because we are tough like that. Because that's what he's trying to build. That's the brand. So EFF built tough can um, can sort of fundraise anywhere and anywhere, with anyone. And so if you fundraise, we will allow you to do it, right? And that's my big and that's the that's the sort of crass part of Julius Malema. But he also has to do that because right now the EFF also has no time for freeloaders. It has no time for people who are standing still. It has no time for comfortable people like in the ANC. And ANC member, you looked at that parliament when they were voting for the new, um, for the new public protector. You were going, who, all over the screen. I'm going, who is this? Who's the person <laughs> standing and shouting? Who's who's this? Because I was telling guys, you don't there understand how. There are 400 people theory. in
1: parliament. There are 400 no, people in parliament.
0: Of the 400, I haven't seen. Two hundred of them. I haven't seen them. It was the first time I saw them on that day screaming and shouting like killed kids in a kindergarten, right? And so my problem is you've never even seen those people. But they are there and the NC accepts that they're there, right? They might be there because they know somebody, they're a friend of somebody, somebody's my uncle, and now I'm in the I'm in parliament. The biggest problem with the EFF is they can't afford any of those because if you if you at any time get any of those freeloaders who don't fundraise for you, who don't bring the buses, then there are a few less faces in the crowd of the EFF, right? The, the Red Sea that we're always seeing. And so FNB Stadium is not filled up for Julius Malema to raise his fist on the podium. And so the, the optics then don't look like what they should. And I, I get it, but still... His, his sort of crass nature needs a softening blow. And I think that's the only way for him to to go over well with the voter base. Because all, even the young people don't like some of the things that he does. I don't understand
1: why there is so much outrage on the fact that the EFF expects its uh, its employees, members of parliament and councillors, to put in a certain amount of their salary back into the the EFF, when at the very same time there is an expectation of DA members to bring in a certain amount of... fundraising. There is the same expectation of Action SA members. I mean, We saw this Mm. on the news with uh, uh, Herman Mashaba and what some of those individuals who want to stand for positions Mm. within the party, how much they have to bring in in terms of fundraising. So why the outrage for Julius when he says we're going to send you to parliament or we're going to send you to be in the council and you must bring in some of this money back into the party. The party needs funds to run. Plough back.
2: Plough
0: back, yes. Yeah. No, no, no. You're plowing back, right? That's fine. I get the plowing back. Everyone does it. That's the standard in South Africa. On top of me plowing back, pull me up. bring a bus full of people from Velcom. Yes. How I many people from Velcom? Those are the yes. people that
1: are going to vote for you. you yes. M- if you cannot get, if you cannot convince people in Velcom, where you are from, to get on a bus and come and support the party at at a stadium, right? How are you going to get those people to go and vote for you on a ballot?
2: Three thousand Amabutho got on a bus and went to Pretoria to support their king.
1: <laughs> they were king.
2: They're king. So if you can't support the person you voted for, then what are you doing? What have you done for me lately? Also, you did touch on something. He is a dictator, says Pumi, in the sense that he is the commander in chief. Let's not forget the language. It's his party. It's his party. Exactly. So he has a right to set the laws the way he wants to.
0: Yes. This man does
2: not and stylize that's... himself as president. He's a commander-in-chief.
0: <laughs> There's but a the reason is,
2: why that language and that verbiage is used.
0: In South African politics, there are two people you don't want to look like. You don't want to look like Bantu Holomisa. You don't want to look like Terralikot. That's true. <laughs> M-
2: Mr. Lea, you don't want to look like Bantu Holomisa. <laughs> <laughs>
0: No no he said it's from Kronstadt in Kronstadt he, oh, he said he was terror <laughs> the one that terror. if you come from Free State if you come from Free State and you give us your name that's your name don't tell us you are Musiwa there when you are suddenly in parliament
1: okay you have to you, you have to elaborate on that that these are two people there are people i can tell you for free there are people here in our listener uh, in, in the comments who don't even know who Bantu Olomisa is you say you don't want to look like Bantu Olomisa you don't look what like does the, that you mean? don't
2: want to look like a general how
0: Listen, remember, <laughs> Bantu Holomisa, right? Bantu Holomisa in he was the prodigy. He was the one lauded by Nelson Mandela to be the next big thing. And it looks like in the politics, in his politics, it looks like he's still trying to be the next big thing that Mandela ordained. Right? And even how he handles his party. You don't know anyone else. You know, it's him and that Hossa guy. They're the only people from the UDM that you know. You've never seen anyone, you've never seen a UDM rally, you've never seen a UDM shirt, you've never seen a UDM anything. <laughs> it's <laughs> just yet they are
1: represented in parliament.
0: Yes. Yes. But then you do, you they are they're represented and their growth is stunted like a like okay. a child who <laughs> so, so just to refine yeah?
2: your argument that you made here, Mr. Lieto, about uh, the political strategy and how it is so archaic in South Africa. Uh I've listened to the language that we've talked about on the show. We are talking about stealing votes from the ANC. This is how most political parties speak. This is how the DA speaks. We're going to take votes from... What about the free votes, the people that are disenfranchised with the voting system, the disenfranchised with government, the people who don't know about voting. They don't know about how participation and all these things because it doesn't matter if you take votes away from the ANC. We're talking about taking votes away from the ANC. The EFF might steal two million. Why are they not creating new voters? Why is that not the political strategy? Why are we not empowering new people?
0: The voters who are gone on coming back. But
2: they are new voters. They are new voters. uh, My sister just turned 18. She's going to vote in the next election.
0: What I look at the campus. You are, your at
1: head, the campus but, you are shaking your head vigorously for those who can't see you.
0: Why are you shaking your head
1: like that? Talk to me about on campus voters.
0: I'll tell you a secret. I teach them every day. They do not care. They, like, very simply, campus participation with campus voting has gone down so significantly that campuses have stopped inviting the IEC to come and conduct, conduct the, the elections. They just do it online now. That's how, that's how bad it's become. There's no large voter base. The SRC in most campuses is not even voted for uh, by, by 10% of the population of students. Literally, if, you're, if your member is wearing a shirt, they're going to go vote for you. All the other students don't care. Mm. And so that, the generation that's coming, the new voters, even the voters who, who haven't been voting, those people aren't coming back because they aren't impressed. And our political parties aren't even looking to impress them. The only person who's talking about them is Musi Maimani, and we don't actually know what Musi is doing with his party. Yeah, we don't. So do. that's the big problem. The only person who's talking about those people is Musi, and nobody knows what Musi is doing. And so the the we when we're talking the next election, these elections are almost there here. In in political terms, it's it's six days away, and so you don't have time to get new converts to your to your cult. Personality called an a, a South African party because that's what a South, that's South what South African parties are. Nobody's going to love Herman in the next three months if you don't already love him. Nobody's <laughs>
2: going to really love him. Love him. Uh, so, uh, like, well, so
1: what do you because you teach them every day, Lieto, You have an insight that uh, maybe most of us don't have. What do you think political parties should be saying or doing to excite those young people?
0: Um and I've always been saying this, South African parties are really bad at mapping out the future, Mm. right? They're bad at saying, so they're saying, let's push out the ANC next year. But they're very bad at saying, what does it look like after the ANC, right? Because even if the DA says it will look like uh, the Western Cape, If I'm black, I'm looking at it and going, "Mm, it looks good in town, but Kailicha, where I'm from, it still looks the same. So the big problem is they're bad at mapping out. And one thing the ANC has done that's excellent is they'll map it out for you. They'll tell you that the 350 will probably be 650 next time. The grant might be more. They're good at mapping out, even with their mistakes, they're good with mapping out what the mistake doesn't look like, Right? They'll tell you that the mayor was bad. It's a comrade who wasn't listening to the, through the eye of the needle. He didn't read. And they'll tell you what the problem is and what it looks like post the problem. They're very bad at applying those things, but they're very good at mapping them out. No party in South Africa. When you give them airtime on these hour-long podcasts, none of them come and say, after you put in action essay, this is what it looks like. This is the first step because these young people that I teach every day are more nervous about their futures than anything else. They are very jittery about it. Um, they, they don't know where they land. They don't even know where they are now, they're positioned now. So you can't even, most of the parties can't even tell them where young people are positioned in South Africa in order to take us forward. They can tell us as a young person, this is where you are. This is where you think you are most useful and this is what you might do. So if somebody comes in and says, we're gonna do a youth service program and not the yes thing, that stupid thing that Cyril does. We're gonna do a a, a simple youth program where you go into a government position. You are going to be a policeman. Even if you've graduated from university, you're going to be a nurse, you're going to be an administrator in a hospital. You are gonna have to have a year of service in the army anyway. And this year of service, you will then decide what to do after what. The young people will then know If When I come out of this university, or even if I'm in a township, if I take this step, I land in the army. If I take this step, I land in the police force and contribute. And then after that, I will plot my way right but you don't tell them this and so they don't care they don't they're not invested in your program because it sounds like your program doesn't include them they're not on social grants they don't want to be on social grants they um they're not part of the people that you're trying to give 350s to and so they fall into this sort of like uh, the nice term that they were using during the NSFAS fast pro- the peace Maxwell protest was the missing middle the young people in this election the new voters are the missing middle we have no way To classify them, we have no way to promise them anything and we don't have any mechanism of bringing them closer to us. They don't
1: care. You get the the last word. Is Liat right? Is this how young people are feeling? Is this how you are feeling going into the election next year?
2: So I've, yeah, currently, uh, I've only voted in one election because of how my birthday is structured. Uh, It's ended in the year. So I've only voted in one election. I've never understood my fellow... Youth and, uh, and my friend, to what Mr. Lieto is saying about mapping out, he did say that the re- if we don't vote next year, and it struck a chord with me, is that these are the problems that we will face. Like, Uti, it's a mere selfish decision that you need to take. It's not for the greater good of the country. He needs to vote for something that speaks to him because to solve a future problem that he knows he will have. So if it means your future problem is xenophobia, vote for Action SA. If your future problem is the land act and you want the land back, vote for the EFF. But you need to take a stand. I think at this point, you just need to have a voice. We don't have the great, like we don't, Like you're saying, the election is right here. No one is speaking, but I think you need to participate, people.
1: Mm, I think that's a good place to stop. Lieto, thank you for coming on. It's, It's quite a lot of stuff that we spoke about. Spoke about mining, spoke about voters, spoke about young people. Spoke about political mapping, I like that, that the young people going into the next election are the missing middle. Yeah. And maybe we need to consider how we get those young people more interested. Thank you to everybody in the comments. Everybody, I see what you're saying. Uh, Patricia does listen, Carl, Carl Dos Santos, uh, Sanele, everybody in the comments, please pass this. Pass this uh, podcast to everybody. If you haven't already, you've got little 30 seconds. Like and subscribe to the podcast. Thank you for joining us. I'll see you next week on The Burning Platform. Thanks, Leto, for coming.
0: Thank you for having me, guys. It was Thank such you a for pleasure.
1: keeping me company, Bakamandu. It was always, <laughs> always wonderful a pleasure, to have you here.
0: Cliffcentral.com.